right, folks, welcome back to a very, very, very special Christmas episode of Mostly Ghostly. Sleigh bells ring. Ray, how you doing? Not bad. How about you? And we're singing a song, bringing the show in. Happy and we grin as we sing. We hope everybody out there is uh, getting ready for Christmas uh, and having a blast, having a good time. Maybe you're listening to Mostly Ghostly while wrapping gifts, or maybe you're even rocking some Mostly Ghostly at the Christmas party, and we are entertaining you folks. And if that's the case, I want everybody listening to pat themselves on the back right now for us, because boy, do we love to, to, to see you guys doing that, listening to Mostly Ghostly. Merry Christmas, Ray. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And remember when you're done with that fir tree, strip the decorations off and burn it to release the life and essence of that tree back into the atmosphere so that in spring we get growth. The worst thing you can do to a Christmas tree is put it, you know, in your pickup truck with the tailgate down and just drive fast down some you know, abandoned road or some factory parking lot and leave the poor thing right there to die and decay on the side of the road, only for the skeletal remains to be found the following summer by a poor security guard walking the beat. You know what I mean? That's all you want him to see that that's horrifying. I don't, I don't wish that on anybody, especially around Christmas time. Now, when I think of Christmas and I think of ghosts, you know, obviously a Christmas carol pops into my head. You know what I mean? It's good old Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck. There's been, you know, Bill Murray doing Scrooge. There's been so many different versions of, of, of a Christmas carol told, you know, throughout time. You know what I mean? From the famous Charles Dickens. You know what I mean? Um, Charles John Huffam Dickens to be appropriate. You know what I mean? We're, we're close. I know him that well. I did rest in peace. He died a couple of years ago, but you know, the ghost uh, of Christmas past, uh, I wanted to dip into that. And I know Ray wanted to dip into that a little bit because we were thinking of some holiday themed stuff. And um, yeah, everybody knows about the story. We'll get into the story a little bit for folks that might not know. And, all that, but you know, it's an interesting fact that it, it kind of was based off of like a like a legitimate deal, so to speak. You know what I mean? Which I always thought was a funky thing. Something brings a little significance to the story. You know what I mean? But uh, Ray, when I think of the ghost of Christmas past, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Uh. I don't know. The first, well, the first thing that did pop into my head is uh, going back a few years, some crisp, uh, a Christmas or two. I wish I behaved a little differently. I don't want that coming back up on me. That's true. You don't want trouble like that, you know? Yep. So, yeah. I was going to say, those are my personal ghosts, the demons, though. Well, we'll exercise them. Uh, the ghost of Christmas past, although it's a fictional character, like we said, from the, 19, the 1843, rather, novella of Christmas Carol by our boy Charles Dickens, the ghost is one of three spirits who appears to the old grouchy, you know, he's the Grinch without being a fur, with well, the furry green fur, to tell you the truth, you know what I mean? Uh, in human form, the Grinch in human form, Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, to offer him a nice little chance of redemption because Scrooge been living that foul life, treating people like garbage, just being all out miserable scumbag. You know what I mean? So he needed a little, uh, little, little turn, a little turn for the for the better. Now, appearing to be a young and old at the same time, the spirit is a bright light streaming from the top of its head and carries a large cap in the shape of a candle extinguisher under its arm. Now, I, can't, I'm, I, I, I get the vibe 
I'm vibing a little bit with Flatwood, the Flatwoods monster a little bit. It's got that kind of shape and weirdness to it already is the vibe I'm catching. Um, now, the ghost of Christmas past arrives in Scrooge's bedchamber as the clock chimes one. Each of the ghosts of Christmas represents a different time in Scrooge's life. And the ghost of Christmas past is concerned with the Christmases from Scrooge's, you got it, past. You know what I mean? Now, the near and distant. Uh, the events of the past are but shadows, and the bright light the spirit emits illuminates Scrooge's memories. Now, metaphors for days, you know, uh, Charles Dickens. I would love to write, read, I'd love to read some Charles Dickens. Um, never have. Um, what is the other one? A Tale of Two Cities? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, gigantic in the in the world of writers. You know, he comes from a time where, they're, you know, writers would almost work like Shakespeare, I heard worked like uh, comedians do, where it's just a bunch of a bunch of writers writing works and one kind of taking credit for it type deal. So I wonder if Dickens uh, had a little team around him because some there's some seriously iconic stuff released under his uh, name for sure. Now. Yeah, it, you know, the age old. This is the age old showing you, showing you, you know, how you've affected people. It's one big metaphor. I feel, I've always felt it was one big metaphor, you know what I mean? And I'm sure it is. Now, the background of this is by that by early 1843, Dickens had been affected by the treatment of the poor, and in particular, the treatment of the children of the poor after witnessing children working in appalling conditions in a tin mine. And I bet I, I think a little mostly ghostly. I'd be willing to bet there's some ghosts floating around that tin mine, unfortunately. Um, and that might've been some of the things he was witnessing that didn't quite sit well with them. Do you agree, Ray? Uh, I do. I mean, uh, if you take different parts of England and the mines in all of the different towns, they were brutal conditions Hundreds and hundreds of people would die in one mine, never mind all of the mines they had, child labor. Um, and to this day, you have people who go there. Um, there were TV shows. If you search search the web or streaming services, they're continually investigating and going in there and catching things uh, from all the deaths that they had in those mines. Yeah, it's like a whole different time before those child labor laws, you know what I mean? There'd be, there'd be kids slaving themselves to death in there, like horrible stuff. Uh, so he, work, witnessing that and following a visit to a ragged school, which a ragged school were charitable organizations dedicated uh, to the free education of destitute children in the 19th century Britain. Um, the schools were developed in working-class districts. Ragged schools were intended for society's most destitute children. Um, so, like, yeah, that's that's kind of like prison without being in prison, I feel like. I feel like that some of the cats you'd be rubbing shoulders with would be some people that put you in a grave or in a shallow grave. They put you to sleep, brother. You know, not to mention a lot of these places are probably like feasting grounds for terrible people. You know what I mean? Now, well, uh, I was going to say one of those, several of those caves uh, became the eventual home. They were redecorated and they became the eventual home of the Hellfire Club. Okay. Which is something people uh, might find interesting to look up, what the Hellfire Club was, but they were nasty. Yeah, the health. You, do you want to elaborate a little bit, a little not too deep, a little bit deeper into the Hellfire Club for folks? Just, I know you teased, uh, you wetted the whistle. Uh, I'd, I'd say, I'd say that one there is kind of like an eye opener, and it's probably better if people go, ah, oh, what's he talking about? Look at it and go, holy it's, shit! <laughs> yeah, it's worth, it's worth, it's definitely worth checking into. Now, indeed, Dickens himself had experienced poverty as a boy when he was first forced to work in a blacking factory 
after his father's imprisonment for debt. Yikes. Do you know what a blacking factory is? No. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that, but the father was imprisoned for debt. That's cold. So he just racked up so much bills he couldn't pay that they put him, they locked him up for it. That sucks. Originally intending to write a political pamphlet titled An Appeal to the People of England on Behalf of the Poor Man's Child. That will give you a different uh, work ethic, I feel. You know what I mean? I think that you you could be looking for a way out heavy financially to save everybody. Now he changed his mind and instead wrote a Christmas carol, which voiced his social concerns about poverty and injustice. Interesting. That's weird because you know that Christmas classic was really just kind of like almost his scream for that cause. You know what I mean? That's kind. I never knew that. That's interesting. There's something. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say, didn't he also write uh, write all of a twist? He might have. He might have, but it's possible, but I'm not positive on that one. You know, there's a... Growing up really poor, there's uh, faith. Faith is heavy. I think there's a little more faith with the poor. The faith is more real. You know what I mean? Um, So, like, there's... I I feel like with faith and... I feel like there's a lot of supernatural around. I feel like there's faith... Faith and supernatural are hand in hand, I feel. Um, so, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he... I'd be curious to see if Dickens had any ghost stories in his in his past. You know what I mean? It's very quiet. A lot of the writers do, you know what I mean? Um, but an appeal to the people of England on behalf of a poor man's child. Interesting. That's what, it, that's what we almost got. I don't think that would have been the Christmas classic that a Christmas carol was, unfortunately. Um, now, Dickens' friend, John Forster, are you familiar with John Forster, right? Uh, no. Uh, he was an important Victorian English biographer and literal critic, you know what I mean? Now, he said that Dickens had a hankering after ghosts, much like us, much like us. Uh, while not actually having a belief in them himself, in his journals, household words, and all the year round regularly featured ghost stories with the novelist publishing an annual ghost story for some years after his first. Yeah. I vibe with, I'm going to go ahead and say that I bet Mr. Dickens definitely seen a ghost in his day. You don't write about, you know what I mean? What do you, what's your take? Excuse me. Yeah. You you don't, I, I agree. You don't just write that. Uh, what he wrote, if you don't have some belief or you haven't seen something, experienced something along the way. Yeah, in order, if it, it something had to have scared him for him to think he could scare people with it, I think. The uh, now a Christmas Carol in 1843. That's the big whammy. You know what I mean? Um, now in this novella, Dickens was innovative in making the existence of the supernatural a natural extension of the wor- real world in which Scrooge and his contemporaries lived, and that is true because when you really think about it, how how huge and accepted and just f- folklore Americana and such that that is. You know, it, it really, it, it is, it revolves around ghosts. You know what I mean? I don't think they address it. I don't think that, that much of it's pushed, you know what I mean? But it really does. It's all, it's all uh, a paranormal deal. The whole thing. Well, people back then very believed in it uh, quite a bit. I know in the late, late 1800s, early 1900s, after that, you had a big spiritualist movement. It died died off in the mid 1900s and then uh yeah late 1900s early 2000s we're in a resurgence of spiritualism ghosts and hauntings yeah yeah that's yeah now the significance to the story like we were saying before we'll crack a little bit into that so now the ghost of christmas past is a strange otherworldly creature which shimmers and flickers like candlelight constantly changing in appearance as it reflects scrooge's memories old and new alike 
As one memory comes sharply into focus, another one fades. And as the spirit represents Scrooge's youth, so can it uh, appear youthful in its skin of the the tenderest bloom, the, the most softest skin you've ever seen. Hannibal Lecter would be, you know, foaming at the mouth to see this stuff. But as Scrooge is now old, so the spirit will also be old, you know, reflected uh, to this. You know, the ghost clothing continues in the same contradictory vein as it holds a a branch of holly, which uh, symbolizes winter while its robe is trimmed with summer flowers. In addition, the constantly changing aspect of the spirit may be attributed to representing the various other people seen in the visions revealed to Scrooge. Now, it was a strange figure like a child. All right, this is, this is a nice caption here. Um, it was a strange figure like a child, yet not so like a child as like an old man. Viewed through the through some supernatural medium, which gave him the appearance of having receded from the view and being diminished to a child's proportions. Its hair, which hung about its neck and down its back, was white as if with age, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it, and the tenderest bloom was on the skin. The arms were very long and muscular, the hands the same as if its hold were an uncommon strength. Its legs and feet most delicately formed were like those upper members, bare. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprung a bright, clear jet of light, which all all this was visible, and which was doubtless the occasion of its using. In its duller moments, a great extinguisher for a cap which it now held under its arm. Heavy. That's some scary stuff. Uh, I'd be a little, you know, what would you be if you were woken up in the middle of the night by a ghost wanting to take you on a trip? Because I do believe he has to go with the ghost, if I remember correctly in the story. Uh, And the ghost wants you to go with him. Would you go with a ghost? Uh, Well... I'll go on the record. I've had uh, dreams and encounters a night weirder than that. You gangster. Yeah, I don't know. I Something about me personally, me personally, if I woke up, if I woke up and in my bedroom there was something, there was a ghost in my bedroom, I don't, I don't think there's any type of kindness or friendliness that that could show me that I would ever be okay with seeing that, to be honest with you, to go anywhere with it. I think it would, I would be freaking out no matter what from the get-go. It would be an issue. Um, I definitely, you know, in my mind, it, it wanting me to go with it is, it's like the Grim Reaper, man. It's like telling me, why are you dead? We're going to the next place or something. And with, uh, you know, if they're looking funky, they're looking funky Dory, then I don't know, man, that next place not, might not be the place I want to go or something. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I don't think I would. I would, uh, my Christmas carol would be very short because I would not get, I'd not be going with the ghost. Um, now even this though, when Scrooge looked at it with increasing steady, steadiness, uh, was not its strangest quality. For as its belt sparkled and glittered now in one part and now in another, and what was light one instant and another time was dark, so the figure itself fluctuated in its distinctness, being now a thing with one arm. Like a John Carpenter the thing? Now with one leg. Like a John Carpenter thing? Now with 20 legs. Now a pair of legs without a head, now a head without a body, of which dissolving parts, no outline would be visible in the dense gloom wherein they melted away, and in the very wonder of this, it would be itself again, distinct and clear as ever. That was kind of a horrifying visual of it just kind of unfolding in itself and melting away and such, Ray. What do you think of that? Uh well, one thing that was big at that time was opium. I'm wondering if uh, he got those, 
<laughs> you get those images off of one of those trips. That's definitely one of those. Yeah, that definitely sounds like a, an opium deal for Shizzle. Not that I've ever smoked opium, but they were definitely they sound like they were token on something. A little too, uh, a little, a little stronger than the weeds that day. Now, when Scrooge demands to know its business, the spirit replies, "Your welfare." When Scrooge uh, demurs that he would rather benefit from a good night's sleep, the spirit responds, "Your reclamation." Then take heed. So. Yeah, I don't even know. Even if I had, even if somebody said, come with me, I, I'm here for your well-being. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to bed. And they're like, I'm here for your well-being. And you better come with me now. I don't know. I'm probably more of a blanket over the head, wait for it to go away type deal when it comes to something like that, to be honest with you. Hopefully, I don't have to stick my arm too far out to get my cellular phone so I can have something to do while I'm under the blanket. You know what I mean? But I definitely don't think I'd be rolling out with anybody, any ghosts. I don't think I'd be rolling with the ghosts. Nah. I'm more of a ghostbuster, they say. I'm more of a, let me put the coffee on and we'll talk about it. I If, if I was with Ray, I'd feel comfortable having a relationship. But I don't know. Everything else I've ever learned was I don't want to go there. I want, I, I want to say, whoa, there, I don't want to go there. You know what I mean? Now, visions of the past, although seemingly gentle and ethereal, the spirit is uh, deceptively strong as, quote unquote, I'll put out its strong hand as it spoke and clasped him gently by the arm. Rise and walk with me. Scrooge tries to ignore the vision of his unhappy childhood that the spirit reveals to him but shows uh, the first flicker of emotion when he sees his younger sister fan again. Scrooge becomes even more animated at the Christmas Eve celebration during the time of his apprenticeship for Mr. Feswig. Uh, He shows a further awakening of his human nature when the spirit asks him, A small matter, said the ghost, to make these silly folks so full of gratitude. The spirit signed to him to listen to the two apprentices who were pouring out their hearts in praise for Feswig. And when he had done so, she said, Why is it not he has spent but a few pounds of your mortal money, three or four perhaps? Is that so much that he deserves this praise? Isn't that, said Scrooge, Heated by the remark and speaking unconsciously like his former, not the, not his latter self. It isn't that spirit. He has the power to render us happy or unhappy, to make our service light or burdensome, a pleasure or a toil. Say that his power lies in words and looks, in things so slight and insignificant that it is impossible to add and count them up. What then? The happiness he gives is quite as great as it costs a fortune. As if it costs a fortune. He felt the spirits glanced and he stopped. Yeah, you know, I will, I'll wait till the end. Scrooge has been given the opportunity to consider the benefits of being a good and generous employer as Fezziwig was and comes to regret mistreating his own clerk, Bob Cratchit. You know what I mean? Of Cratchit Incorporated. Um, the spirit then shows Scrooge's engagement to the love of his life, Belle, and his sub- subsequent painful parting from her. It always gets me choked up, I'm sorry. Now, when Scrooge becomes upset by these memories, the spirit says, these are the shadows of things that have been that they are what they are. Do not blame me. Now, saying things of the shadows of what they've been is very ghostly. You know what I mean? I I definitely appreciate that. It's uh, great wording. I always give kudos to wordsmiths like that. Now, distraught, Scrooge cries out, Leave me! Take me back! Haunt me no longer. I should have the actor be saying this stuff. I'm I'm just a mere direct order. 
now and sees the spirit's cap. In the struggle, Scrooge observes uh, that its light was uh, burning high and bright and dimly connecting, uh, that with its influence over him, he seized the extinguisher cap and by a sudden action pressed it down upon its head. And that was a wrap. Okay, lights went out. Candles went out that night. Right after that move, candles went out. Puff, whoof. Some scary stuff, you know what I mean? Now, when I think of... When I think of, like, Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas past, it's more... It's just, like, kind of a metaphor deal where it's, it's, it's like... The whole thing's redemption, you know? You gotta see the bad stuff before you can journey forward on the trip, you know what I mean? And I think that it's it's almost like a spiritual journey, a Christmas carol is, you know what I mean? Uh, in you know, it's interesting that it's spirits doing it. It's a spiritual within journey, you know what I mean? It's like a metaphor for itself, you know what I mean? A uh, very deep deal, very deep deal. Um where is the Christmas Carol? Is that how you have you cared much for it in the past? I am. Um, I have like new appreciation for it after learning some of the stuff, and that's no bullshit. That's some real deal stuff. You know? uh, there's there's two versions I like. One is uh, the newer one with Patrick Stewart. Uh, my favorite is with George C. Scott. Most of those you can find somewhere streaming free. Yeah. There's one out there on YouTube that flips the whole story upside down, called Screw Scrooge. Ah, okay. That one flips it upside down by a very creative young uh, producer. Uh-huh. And you'll recognize one person playing Scrooge in that one. Very good. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, yeah, those two I like. Uh, the George C. Scott and the Patrick Stewart ones are favorites of mine. George C. Scott edging out Patrick Stewart just a little bit. Yeah. But I agree with you. It, it it is a moral story where this angel is guiding him in, or this spirit is guiding him in to look at his past, and kind of like almost assuming like a Saint Peter with the at the gates of heaven, adding up your good and bad yeah. that you did. Except this is internally, so Scrooge himself can grow in his awareness of what he was and what he became. So you can then learn to embrace, uh, take the first step in embracing the spirit of Christmas. Right. For shizzle. You know, we got we got some other ghosts, too, of course, is the three of them. So we're going to dive a little bit into the ghost of Christmas present. You know, he's described as a jolly giant. Leech's hand-colored illustration uh, of the friendly and cheerful spirit. You know what I mean? His hand is open in a gesture of welcome confronted by the amazed Scrooge has been described by Jane Rob Cohen as elegantly combining the ideal, real, and supernatural with humor and sympathy. It is clear that the spirit is based on Father Christmas, you know what I mean? Our pal, traditional name for the personification of Christmas also known as the Christmas gift bringer and typically considered to be the, to be synonymous with Santa Claus is originally part of the much older and unrelated English folklore. Uh, now the ancient patriarchal figure associated with uh, the English Christmas holiday, traditionally a bearded pagan giant depicted in a, fu- a fur lined evergreen robe wearing a crown of whole of holly while holding mistletoe father christmas or old christmas was often represented as surrounded by plentiful food and drink and started to appear regularly in illustrated magazines of the 1840s uh, i don't even know there was fucking illustrated magazines in 1840 uh, the american santa claus uh, commemorated in the 1822 poem a visit from saint nicholas or better known as The Night Before Christmas by Clement Clark Moore, uh, is derived from his pagan English counterpart in the gift-giving Saint Nicholas of Myra. Uh, but the ghost of Christmas present should not be confused with the American version, who was little, uh, who was little known in England before the early 1850s. You know what I mean? I definitely get down with that. 
little bit of origins up in there. I know he's not, he's not your favorite one, right? I know he's not your favorite coach. You know? <laughs> well, you you could tell that uh, that comes out of a time where the patriarchal, when the men ruled, because it was Father Christmas, not Mother Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. No more, uh, no equal opportunity, Delios, over there. It's sad. I'm very, I'm very disappointed at them. You know what I mean? But we got one more. Uh, you got past, present, future, aka the, the Christmas yet to come, the ghost of yet to come type deal. And uh, you know, we'll pop into that a little bit right there. Now you know the yo the the the, I, the yet to come. It might be my favorite one. You know what I mean? Might possibly be my favorite one. But that's just me speaking. Take it for what it is. You know, I want everybody out there to have their own favorite ghost of Christmas. You know what I mean? That's what I gift everybody with this year. They get to have their own gift. And you know what? Ray, you were right. Uh, He did write Oliver Twist. He also wrote Great Expectations, which was a big deal. Uh, And a, a book called Bleak House that I'm not familiar with, but I like the name and Edwin Drood. Uh, maybe I'll, I'll read them this, all those books this weekend and get back to you. Now the, the significance to the story of this dude. Now he's, he he gets deep with uh, visions. He's a visions of the future type of dude. He's telling some serious stuff. Now the spirit in his dusky shroud is of course, the personification of death. We've talked a little bit about death on this show before, right? Haven't we? Maybe just a little bit. A little tad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, cr- it's Christmas, so we're not going to go too deep. You know what I mean? Now, while this may seem an odd choice uh, for modern readers for a Christmas ghost, I don't think so. I think if you're talking about ghosts, in general, death got to be in the equation somewhere. Now, in the early Victorian era per, uh, period, people would remember their deceased loved ones at Christmas time, more so like everyone, you know, which being at the end of the year was also a time for reflection. Now, in his article, What Christmas Is As We Grow Older, published in Household Words in 1851, Dickens wrote, of all the days in the year, we we will turn our faces to that city of the dead upon Christmas Day. Now, from its silent hosts, bring those we loved among us. Dickens described a similar Christmas specter in his story, A December Vision, which also had a slow and unwavering persistence and which also had a shaded face and ghostly eyes. So, yeah, Dickens definitely seen some stuff. You know what I mean? Like, there's no way the dick man's didn't see some crazy shit somewhere, some paranormal activity. Now, like the future itself, the ghost of Christmas yet to come is unknown, mysterious, and silent. And Scrooge fears his message most of all. When the spirit wishes Scrooge to look at something or to follow him, he, sim- he simply points. Uh, the Victorians believe ghosts had the power to see the future, including people's deaths. Uh, good question for Ray. Ray, do you feel, I feel like they would, they'd be a, a ghost would know the future, but it's possible that they wouldn't. What's your take on that? Um, I would say that some would because yeah. the, the way things happen in the spirit world, time is not measured like we measure it here, linear. Yeah. So that the popping in and out of the future or to be able to have a vision of that future. Uh, some people are capable of it. And certainly a ghost on the other side is. Is it, is there, I think I heard this before. Let me know if this is true. Is there, is there a seal almost like the seventh, seventh seal somewhere or something where supposedly like the end of like when everybody dies is on this tablet or this on this thing. And people have been told if you look at it, you die. People have looked at it and died, but you're not supposed to look at it. Is, is that my imagination or is that a real thing? I don't know. I haven't heard of that. I heard that. I heard it like it was a, like a, maybe it was a conspiracy theory thing, but I could have sworn I heard that there was some, some like biblical stuff. It was like where like the seventh sign, the seventh seal, 
not the movie. It's probably influenced the movie. Um, but yeah, I could maybe the, the, the movie influenced my imagination. Who knows? But in the novella, the ghost of Christmas yet to come reveals to Scrooge's own death. Now the spirit shows Scrooge that his future fate is not set in the stone or written on his gravestone, but it can be changed if he stops eating bad foods. You know what I mean? Gets the cholesterol back on track. Now, by changing his actions in the present, of course, that's how we want to do it. Then he can eat all the French fries he wants. During the 1840s, the threat of typhus, you know what I mean, and cholera. Now, typhus, for anybody that don't get down with typhus, you don't want to. It's a group of infectious diseases that include epidemic typhus, scrub typhus, murine typhus, and common symptoms include fever, headache, and a rash. You know what I mean? Now, cholera, same type of deal a little bit, uh, except you'd be looking like you'd be, you'd be in the dead zone. You got that. Uh, it's an infection of the small intestine and some uh, strains of the bacterium Vibrio, cholera. Uh, symptoms may range from none to mild to severe. Classic symptom is large Amounts of watery diarrhea that lasts a few days. I think we've all had that. Vomiting and muscle cramps may also occur. So that's kind of like almost food poisoning type deal I'm catching. Now, that was very, very real for everyone. High and low in London. And the ghost of Christmas yet to come is a uh, memento mari. Uh, Memento mari is an artistic or symbolic trope acting as a reminder of the inevitable, which I dig that. I definitely get done with that. That's cool. Um, this should be the name of the episode. Perhaps we'll see. Now, a reminder of the inevitable of death, but also a reminder of the fear of death and dying, because with death comes a reckoning, leading either to eternal reward or to eternal punishment. The ghost of Jacob Marley and Stave, uh, I reveal to Scrooge which fate he can expect unless he changes his ways. The spirit shows Scrooge how his own death will bring indifference to others at best and joy at its worst, uh, and which is bad news. You know, if, if if you force people to be happy when you're dead, that's kind of on you because unless they're psycho or something, you, you know, you should aim for better relationships. Easier said than done, I know, but... Uh, it's good to go for, you know, now, now at its worst, now those that those who build up treasures on earth will find that these same treasures have no worth after death. The only sorrow the spirit can show in connection with the death of the unknown man is that the death of tiny Tim, not the tipping through the tulips, gentlemen. But, you know, the kid, Tiny Tim, horrifying. We know an actor that played Tiny Tim once, the great Alexander Hawk. The two deaths being linked in a way is yet unknown to Scrooge. Without becoming benevolent and charitable, and without accepting redemption and salvation, Scrooge will suffer the same fate as Marley. Weighed down by chains and cash boxes and ledgers and excluded from heaven, he must accept the honor Christmas in his heart. My favorite my favorite Marley was from Scrooge with Bill Murray because he was hard to the kids or, you know what I mean? <laughs> now in, uh, yeah, in the Stav, uh, the fourth, the spirit takes Scrooge to locations around London, including London Stock Exchange, Bob Cratchit's home, his own bedchamber, and old Joe's rag and bone shop. And these scenes Dickens used mirroring is uh, uh, mirroring for the spirit reveals the vision of the future of Scrooge. He feels to recognize. Now, it's an interesting deal. So. It's all just kind of, like, like you said, it's all redemption. You know, the ghost of Christmas yet to come reveals to Scrooge the future consequences of his past and present actions, his lack of sympathy for the poor, his ill treatment of his own clerk, Bob Cratchit. Uh, poor Bob Cratchit and the Cratchit family, you know what I mean? That his own death will also result in the death of the Cratchit's disabled young son, Tiny Tim, which is horrifying. Scrooge's past and present actions have left him solitary as an oyster. And his lonely death is revealed 
with no one to mourn and having become uh, an opportunity for others to profit. If only with a free lunch, the last of the spirits gives Scrooge the final chance at redemption to start life anew in his last years and to make reparations for his nephew, Fred to the Cratchits and to the poor of London, his fellow passengers to the grave. Of course, like all people, Scrooge will eventually die. But from now to his final days, he gonna be living his best life in the past, the present, and the future. So that's a beautiful deal, you know what I mean? Um, definitely, you know, morals tales, you know what I mean? Definitely, you know, it's one of those deals where... Even if you've been a bad dude, I think it's one of those deals. It's redemption. It's like it's it, with the religious eyes when people when people get like born again, you know, in the in the religious world, and all their sins are freed from them. It's like that, you know what I mean? It's like that free feeling of uh, you know the overall good deal. So it's I, it's a journey. It's a spiritual journey, man. I'm still with it, and I've never. As a kid, you, you as a kid, you know you're taking a journey. You know that Scrooge is taking a journey to being a better person. But it's like, it's really a spiritual journey in more ways than one. You know what I mean? And I actually look forward to watching it again this Christmas season with giving it a new perspective. You know what I mean? I, I'm definitely going to be on the lookout if it pops up on the TV or uh, off the breakout. I think I got a VHS of it around here somewhere. I know I got Scrooge, but I want to get some. I want to get deep down. I want to go old school with it. You know what I mean? Um, if you go on uh, Tubi, they have it. Yeah, hell yeah. I might even do. I might even do the Disney one. Might even break out the Disney one. Classic style. You know what I mean? But you, uh, you got you learn anything? You, you got a little different outlook on this, or you've kind of the same place from when we started on the good old, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future. Um, I've kind of always seen it as a, a lesson of life. Yeah. And one that we usually don't learn until we face our death. True. What's good, what's not, what we've done, what our karma is, or and taking a look back and seeing what is worthwhile and what is real. And yeah, that that's a spiritual journey. And I've always seen uh, Scrooge going through that journey, especially like this. Uh, I think there's one point where after he's dead, uh, some lady who was a maid or something, she who used to work for him to come in and clean. She's at some guy who buys stuff and resells it. And <clears throat> I think he says, oh, you took the sheets all off the right off the bed while his body was on it. Make some sort of comment like that. And you're laughing and having a, just laughing at his death and they got all his stuff that he loved so much. And, and you're looking at it going, Oh yeah, he, he, he didn't learn. Nope. Nope. He did not learn that. That stuff is not valued. And yeah, it's, it's a moral story that directs you to value and love and cherishing people and living a good life. Did you say which, what your favorite uh, adaptation of the story is? Um, I like the George C. the one with George C. Scott in it. <laughs> I think I might have that, maybe. But like you said, it was on Tubi. I think it's on on Tubi. That I, I find that one very powerful. Well, he's a great actor. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. Rest in peace, Kirstie Alley just passed away yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. Very sad. Big fan of her and Cheers and Madhouse. Madhouse is one of the best comedies of the 90s for crying out loud. Horrifying stuff. You know what I mean? Well, this was a fun journey. This was a fun journey. This is a not a, not a super long episode, but we wanted to get in and we wanted to do a fun little you know, Christmas-themed episode. You know what I mean? Let y'all get, bring a little more Christmas cheer to y'all out there in the mostly ghostly style. Yeah, we got a little into the old, uh, you know, literature aspect of it, but we have some ghostly in there, too. So we got some mostly ghostly for you. 
Um, but very cool. I think the fans out there, the the audience, whatever, how dare I say fans, I think the audience out there might uh, appreciate, even though it's kind of got the literature vibe to it, I think they might appreciate this around the holidays. I know it's a nice little, uh, it was fun. I thought it was a lot of fun to do. What do you think, Ray? Oh, it, it, it always is. Uh, well, one last thing on that whole Scrooge thing and the ghosts that come to visit him, like Marley and, and yeah. particularly Marley who has to carry the chains around. Mm. And you're going to have to go back to a time that that was back when Britain, uh, I think, was in control of India. Yeah. Back in that time. And you had some of the traditions or some of the stories that came out of there. And one of one of them that uh, has a Hindu origin is that when you have been a, a mean person or a bad person, as Scrooge was, mm-hmm. stingy and rude and crude with people, um, you are trapped to haunt the earth and to watch the people suffer that because of what you did. And that parallels part of what that story is when he's taking a look at the present and he sees all these people suffering. And uh, meanwhile, he's holding on to all this money and the Cratchit family is starving and poor tiny Tim there can't even, can't even walk without his crutches. And so he's being basically forced to watch the outcome of his deeds and that crosses a lot of lines as far as uh, different religions and different traditions from around the from around the world so it's a really effective story it reaches out to everybody i got that animated one in my head you know what i mean and it's it's like it's heavy for an when you really start thinking the themes to it it's pretty heavy for a kid still but yeah like you know carrying the chains and stuff those chains they're chains yeah but they're, they're they represent his his the guilt for the things he didn't do, like the things he did bad, you know what I mean? It's crazy. It's uh, It's been done quite a few times, adapted, you know, 1951 film Scrooge, the sp- you know what I mean? Uh, then in 83, which he, he did The Christmas Carol, um, and then 84, made for television film, that's yours. That's the one with George C. in it, George C. Scott. And then it got 1988 film Scrooge, you know what I mean, with Billy Murray. 92, it got a film with the Muppets. 99, it got another made-for-TV. 2000, it got another TV movie. 2004, it got a fucking musical. Uh, 2009, it got a fucking Christmas. Got, oh, that's a Jim Carrey one. I actually seen that in theaters. It was uh, IMAX 3D or, like, it was something... It was uh, when they were starting to do that weird new animation, which isn't even new anymore. That was old. That was fucking ancient. Uh, in 2010, there was a Christmas Carol. Doctor Who people did it, I guess. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. Uh, shout out William Lau, friend in the Boombastic uh, Films Group. Uh, William Lau's first movie, Glitched, was actually released from Boombastic Films way back in the day. And uh, he's now, he now directs all those My Little Pony, uh, you know, Transformers. He's done those animated movies. Like when you go to Target and Walmart, those DVDs you'd get for like five bills. And I ain't shitting, dude. Good dude. Those, those DVDs you get for five bucks on the corner racks that is like, you know, the animated stuff. That's our boy, William Lau. You, you look on the back of that, you see William Lau directed it. You buy that support. He's a good dude. But uh, yeah, a whole bunch of movies. Maybe one day there'll be a Boombastic Films, A Christmas Carol. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. It's been done to death. Um, crazy you badness. Can, you, you can switch it up and we can invite real ghosts to, to play the part of Ghost. A Christmas. I don't know. Mostly ghostly Christmas. This will be mostly ghostly Christmas, but I, I'd be down for doing that. Doing some nice paranormal mashup. I'm down with it. Well, again, you know, we thank everybody for listening. And we hope everybody has a great uh, Christmas out there. Uh, we got the, the Boombastics Christmas specials actually popping off in a couple of days. So if anybody wants to check on over to the Boombastic Media, Boombastic with two O's, uh, media YouTube page uh, on Christmas, 
maybe even Christmas Eve. I got to talk to the boys in charge over there, but there's going to be a, a big special released up there and it should be fun. There should be some special guests, maybe even see some of us, maybe you never know. Um, but a lot of good stuff on that. You know, we appreciate the support and uh, y'all pushing with us. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, this is the last episode of this season. You know what I mean? Thank y'all for sticking with us. It was a beautiful thing. We return uh, next season. And what are we up to season f- four or five? What are we up to now, Ray? You know, uh, next year will be season four. Four. All right. It's a beautiful thing. You know what I mean? It's a beautiful thing. It's, it's a pleasure uh, doing this with you, Ray, as always. Uh, pleasure's all mine. Heck yeah. So uh, with that being said, you, 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 the the Mostly Ghostly Show will be down for a little bit, but you can catch us, um, we usually, what, like late February, early March. I know last year, I think it was the first, uh, continue, continuing with Wednesdays, I think it's the first Wednesday of March is when you'll be catching this episode. But don't fret, don't fret, because we got three seasons before this and I'm willing to bet willing to guaranteely bet there's probably some mostly ghostly that you haven't heard so definitely pop back into the the archives and do your homes work and get fully ghostly fully ghostly so when the new season starts up you're you're a lifer you're you've been there since the beginning you didn't you might you didn't hear them live maybe when they first popped off but you're in it you're in it with us. You're in it to win it. And uh, we'll all be a big, gigantic ball of glowing energy that's beautiful on the earth. We'll change the world. And uh, with that being said, we hope everybody has a great Christmas and a happy new year. And me and Ray will catch you all on the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Yeah.